There is a mystery that my wife, Trish, and I have wondered about for decades. <laughs> there is a mystery that remains unsolved, and it's a mystery about our relationship. Sometime after we were married, we got to talking, but both of us wear glasses. Both of us have the need for corrective lenses. And, and we got to talking about when we started wearing glasses. And as we talked about it, she said, well, she had gotten her glasses in fifth grade and I'd gotten my glasses in seventh grade. That, that means that we got our glasses the same year. I asked her where she had got her glasses and she had gone to the same eye doctor that I had gone to. And then we started asking about the months and it turns out that both of us, both of us as children, got our first pair of glasses on a Saturday in November in 1979. And there's a one in four chance that we were there on the same Saturday that we were there on the same day. There's a one in four chance that we met for the first time, or at least saw each other for the first time when she was in fifth grade and I was in seventh grade. Now, we, we've wondered, what are, the, what are the possibilities? Did we notice anything? Because I personally, I cannot imagine that she did not look at me at a, as a 12-year-old boy and say, that's who I want to spend the rest of my life with. I remember that day, though, not for noticing Trish, unfortunately, but I remember that day. I remember coming home with my glasses on, and suddenly everything was different. The world wasn't blurry anymore. Everything was crisp, and everything was clear. I could see everything. My parents' house, my parents had this old carpet in the, in the living room. It was it's one of those old sculpted carpets, you know, it had a shape, it had a pattern shaved into it. And for the first time, I really noticed the pattern. I could see the distinction and the, and the depth. Uh, for all those years, I hadn't noticed it. And it's, that was an eye-opening experience, quite literally. But it stuck with me over all these years, and it's left me wondering if there aren't times when we see things differently than other people. And maybe we don't see things as clearly as we should, things about others, things about ourselves that we don't see as clearly as others. Do other people see colors different than us? Do they see shapes different? And are there things that we are blind to in ourselves and in our world? Way back in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. If you turn back to Luke chapter 4, it's there at Jesus' home congregation, his home synagogue, where he announced his ministry. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus reads, and he, he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, recovery of sight to the blind. Luke tells us that would be a hallmark, that would be an identifying feature of Jesus's ministry, of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. We're now in Luke chapter 18. Here we are 14 chapters later, and here in Luke chapter 18, we have the only story 
in Luke's gospel of Jesus restoring sight to a blind man. It is a story that Luke has to tell. If Jesus is to be who Luke says he is, he has to tell this story of Jesus doing exactly what he promised to do when he came. This story tells us so much about Jesus. It tells us who he is, who we can trust him to be, and how we can trust him with our blindness. The story is in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. You know, new, new glasses were amazing enough to me, but I, I can't imagine going from being blind, from not seeing anything, to suddenly having sight. But you know, as, as blind as this man on the roadside was, this man saw Jesus clearly. I, I think he saw Jesus even more clearly than the disciples ever had seen him. It's not unusual in the Bible when we read of physical blindness. It's not unusual for us to understand that the physical blindness we read of in the Bible is, is there as an example, it's there as an illustration of a, of a spiritual blindness, a spiritual blindness that we all might have. It's used symbolically for not being able to see Jesus for who he is, for what he promises, or not being able to see him for who he calls us to be. And so we look at a story like this, and, and our question is, how do we see ourselves? How do we recognize our own blindness? And how do we recognize Jesus' promise for us? From the very beginning of this story, the blind man sees Jesus for who he is. And so we ask, do we see Jesus? Do we see Jesus for who he is? Now, Mark also tells us this story, and Matthew tells us the story also. It's in Mark's gospel that we learn this man's name. His name is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, is, he is the son of a man named Timaeus. Luke leaves that out because Luke doesn't want us to be distracted by anything that would take away from Jesus. Luke's not there to tell the good news of Bartimaeus. I once was blind, and now I see Luke wants us to see Jesus. He wants to tell the good news of Jesus, and he wants us to hear that clearly. He wants us to know exactly who Jesus is. Do we see Jesus for who he is? The blind man is sitting on the roadside. He's begging. That's, that's his job. That's all he could do. And he hears a commotion, and so he asks the question, what's going on? What does all this mean 
Uh, what's all the noise? And, and the response that's given to him is, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth. That's, that's how Jesus was known. That was how he was known in his world. Jesus of Nazareth. That, that distinguished him from all the other Jesuses. Jesus, believe it or not, was a very common name back then. And Jesus of Nazareth distinguished him from Jesus of Bethany or Jesus of Jerusalem or Jesus of Kansas or Jesus of Ashmore or Jesus of Grandview or any other town. But as soon as they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, what does the blind man say? Look at verse 38. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Not Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This, this was a title that was reserved only for the Messiah. The Messiah would be the son of David. The, the last time that title was used was in chapter 3 in Luke's genealogy of Jesus, where son of David was listed in his genealogy. It was a title of promise. There may be other Jesuses. There may be other Jesuses from other towns, other communities. There is no other Messiah. There is only one born of promise, only one with the promise of curing your blindness. Do we see Jesus for who he is? Here it's, it's so clear here that, well, it's so clear that even a blind man can see it. And there might be those around us that we consider to be spiritually blind. There might be those that, uh, that we consider spiritually blind, but trust me, there are those that, there are those that see Jesus. They see who he is. I mean, they hear about him. They, they listen to the songs. They might even read their Bibles. What do they hear? When they hear about Jesus, they hear that he is kind. They hear that he is compassionate. They hear that he is loving. They hear that he is forgiving. And when they cry out to Jesus, that's, that's what they are crying out for. That's what they want. That's what they need. And when they look to us, when they look to the church, will they find those qualities in us as they seek them in Jesus? But this, this blind man has more to show us. He has so much more to show us. He shows us that we don't just need to see Jesus for who he is. We also need to see our own need. We need to see what it is that we lack. He finds out that Jesus is coming by. And so what does, the, what does the blind man do as he finds out Jesus is coming by? He begins yelling. He begins yelling. Verse, verse 39, he began yelling, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. It says, those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Does that sound a little familiar? Someone crying out and Someone else rebuking them? Yeah, if you go back just a little bit, just it's on the same page in my Bible. If you go back to verses 15 and 16, it says they were bringing even infants, remember? Even infants to, to Jesus, to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Hmm. When the disciples saw the infants being brought to Jesus, they rebuked the people that brought the infants. And remember, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we looked at those infants and they were helpless. Infants are helpless. They have nothing to, to take care of themselves. They needed Jesus. 
The disciples see a blind man begging on the side of the road and he has nothing and he cries out and the disciples rebuke him and tell him not to do that. Do they ever learn? Do we? Do we ever learn? And just like with the children, Jesus' attention is drawn to this man. And in verse 40, Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? There's, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, Lord, let me recover my sight. There's two things that you shouldn't miss here. And the first of all, he's changed Jesus' title. He's no longer calling him son of David. Instead, here in this verse, he calls him Lord, son of David, that first title. That is a title of promise. That is a title that reminds us of God's promise. God promised that one day he would send the Messiah. But Lord, calling him Lord, that is a title of submission. He's recognizing Jesus' authority. He is submitting to him. He is submitting to Jesus as the only one who can meet his need. And there's one other thing that you might not notice because it's kind of subtle here. What does he ask for? He asks for recovery of his sight. Let me recover my sight. Some of your Bibles might say, let me see again. Now, what does that tell you? Yeah, at one time he could see. At one time he could see, but now he is blind. And in that world, in a world of poverty, in a world of sickness, in many parts of our world to this day, in fact, blindness is a result of illness. Blindness comes because of illness. At one time he could see. At one time he was not a beggar, sitting by the side of the road, watching the world go by or... <laughs> hearing the world go by. At one time, he was not just there by the side of the road, hoping that somebody would give him something. At one time, he had sight, and then something, something changed. And whereas before he was independent, before he could take care of himself, before he was strong, he is now destitute. He is alone. He needs help. He can't do it himself. Now, we, we live in an amazing world today. We are so blessed in so many ways. There are surgeries today that correct blindness, surgeries that can restore your sight. We hear about these things more, more, these kind of surgeries more and more often. We often hear about burn victims, people who've lost their eyesight because of burns, who, who receive their own stem cells. Their own stem cells are implanted and their, their sight is recovered. Something that's within you right now could enable you to recover your sight. The spiritual blindness. You can't fix that. You can't fix that yourself. There is no surgery. There are no stem cells that cure spiritual blindness. If you're blinded by your sin, if you are blinded by your failings, if, if you are blinded to the grace of God in your life, His power, in your life, you, you can't fix that yourself. You need a savior. You need to call on someone who is your Lord for that. The number of times I've heard people say, I got myself in trouble, I'll get myself out. 
I got myself into this addiction, I'll get myself out of it. I got myself into this bad relationship, I will get myself out of it. We, we can work it out ourselves. Our blindness leaves us grasping for anything that we think might help us, or it leaves us on the roadside, sitting in the same spot with no help, with no hope. And Jesus comes along and he asks, what do you want me to do for you? Do we dare answer? Do we dare answer his question? The blind man sees far more than people with sight. And with Jesus' touch, he sees what he must do. Jesus calls us to see that as well. When you give Jesus your need, he shows you your promise. Jesus replies to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. <laughs> your faith has made you well. Now, if you've been paying attention as we've gone through the Gospel of Luke all this year, those words ought to sound a little familiar because Luke brings us back to those words. Your faith has made you well. He brings us back to those words over and over again. You, you might remember them from Luke chapter 8 when there's the woman who has been bleeding for 14 years. She reaches out and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. She is instantly healed. And when Jesus finds out it was her, what does he say to her? He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. When 10 lepers come in Luke chapter 17, 10 lepers come for healing and Jesus heals all of them. And one of them comes back to give thanks. One of them gives back, comes back to say thank you. Jesus tells that one leper, go, your faith has made you well. That's more than just a healing. It's more than just physically well. Your faith has changed you. We could even translate it, your faith has saved you. Because of your faith, this thing, because of your faith, this thing that held you back, that held you down, that kept you from moving forward in your life, because of your faith, this thing that kept you on the roadside while the world passed you by, it's gone. And you're different now. And you see that in this man. Luke says immediately, immediately in verse 43, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Immediately he followed Jesus. Immediately he glorified God. And immediately, immediately other people noticed and what do they do? They give praise to God immediately. Not just this man, but immediately his community is changed. His community is changed because this man cried out to God, cried out to Jesus. This man saw his promise and submitted to his person and everything changed. How many years? How many years that he sat by the roadside while the world passed him by? How long will you sit there? How long will you sit there wallowing in sin, wallowing in failure, wallowing in your discouragement? How long will you sit there before you cry out for help? How long will you sit there before you cry out to the son of David, the one who has been sent with promise, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. 
You want things to be different. You want to be different. It doesn't happen until you submit to the one who has the power and has the promise to heal you, to change you, to save you. The one who has the power to show you your promise. You know, your, your blindness does more than keep you from seeing the world around you. It keeps you from seeing the potential that is before you. It keeps you from seeing the potential, the possibility of getting better, of standing on your own, of walking, and of moving forward in life. Whatever it is that's kept you on the side of the road, whatever it is that has paralyzed you, cry out to Jesus and immediately, immediately, everything can change. There's something else that you can't miss in this story. And that something else is, well, it's where Jesus goes immediately after this story. Don't let the chapter division steal this from you. You know, the chapter divisions weren't there when Luke wrote all of this down. Don't let the chapter divisions steal this because immediately after Jesus leaves Jericho, he goes to Jerusalem. Immediately after these stories in Jericho, we have the final week, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the final week before Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Verse 43 says, Immediately he followed Jesus. He followed him to Jerusalem. He followed him to the cross. If you want your sight back, Jesus is going to take you to the cross also. And he will show you it's not about you. It's not about what you can do for yourself. It's not about how strong you are and how much you can overcome. It's about what he has already done for you and how your faith in him makes you well, how your faith saves you and makes you whole. If that's something you've not encountered yet, if you've not called out to him as Lord and looked for that saving faith, that faith that changes you and picks you up and moves you from the roadside into where you can truly, truly know who you are and truly know his promise, I want to encourage you to look for that. That's why we're here. That's why Kansas Christian Church is here, both in person and online. We want you to find that kind of relationship with your Savior. We want you to know, not only are you saved, but you are changed. You are someone new. Every week we come to communion. We come to take the Lord's Supper together. I often remember those last words that John records on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. Those are a promise to you and me, that there's nothing else for us to do. There is nothing else that we must do other than trust in Him. And so as we take today, let's take remembering everything that he's finished in our lives for us. All of those obstacles, all of those things that you and I might still be blinded to, he's already taken care of them. Let's trust him. Let's find our faith in him, the faith that changes us and the faith that saves us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promise we find in Jesus that he is the one that you promised to send. We thank you, Lord, for the power we find in him, 
the one that we can call our Lord and our Savior. And we thank you that whatever it is that's held us back or kept us by the side of the road, kept us from moving ahead with our lives, Lord, it can all be left behind as we trust in you. Thank you for the bread that reminds us of the body broken. Thank you for the cup that reminds us of the bloodshed. We thank you for those words. It is finished. And we put our faith and our trust. And we put our next steps in your hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless. And go in peace.